What's good? What's good, party people? Welcome to Candid Conversations. I am your host, Candia Johnson, a woman on a mission to help you show up and speak up anyway, despite dealing with fear, uncertainty, or self-doubt. Today, we are talking about imposter syndrome and why you may be looking at imposter syndrome all wrong. My problem is there are far too many articles, courses, coaches, and even therapists who still offer advice about tackling imposter syndrome or overcoming imposter syndrome from the lens of you need to be fixed or you are the problem. Sometimes it's not you, it's them. The environment you work in and the people you surround yourself with that perpetuate feelings of being a fraud or being incompetent or undeserving of recognition or your achievements. And so today I want to talk about the research and findings that led me to push back on some of these traditional causes of imposter syndrome and ways to overcome it. I'll share a few of my (laughs) imposter experiences, one that I had last year. And I'll also talk about, I I call it imposter experience. I refuse to call it a syndrome. And ultimately, I want to offer you alternative ways of interpreting the experience and working through it as well. But first, before we get into it, when I first started thinking about the vision for this podcast, I'm about 50-something episodes in, but I envision people listening to me on their way to work or on their ride home. (laughs) And I want to know if that's true. So listen, I need y'all to give me a shout out. If you are listening to me on your way to work, I want to know. If you are listening to me while you're walking a dog, eating your lunch, washing the dishes, cooking, I want to know what y'all be doing when y'all listening to the Candid Conversations podcast. Give me a shout out on Instagram, Twitter. Oh, I'm loving my YouTube community right now. So give me a shout out and let me know what you're doing when you listen to the Candid Conversations podcast. Anywho, so let's talk about signs of, so let's talk about the imposter experience. Okay, so let's talk about imposter syndrome. If you can't escape the feeling that despite your accomplishments, you are undeserving of achievements or recognition, or you have a fear that one day people are going to find out you're a fraud, you may have encountered an imposter experience. If you downplay your achievements or you attribute some of your accomplishments to, oh, I just got lucky. Or they didn't have anyone to choose, so they chose me for this role or opportunity. You may have also been through an imposter experience. Now, the unfortunate thing about downplaying your success or believing you don't deserve success is you don't pursue opportunities to advance or you don't speak up or self-advocate for yourself for these opportunities and while you may secretly want these things, eventually you're passed over for these opportunities because people feel like you act, you know, you're you're content. You we they didn't know you wanted to do some of these things despite the fact that you're overqualified for them. Even if you said, "Why would someone listen to me? I'm only 25 years old." Or why would someone listen to me? I don't have a degree, so I can't understand why someone would take me seriously. That's an imposter experience. People with imposter syndrome often also have these perfectionist tendencies. Ask me how I know. (laughs) We'll get into that in a few. You put a lot of pressure on yourself to complete every task perfectly. 
It often results in over-preparing and over-planning. It's coupled with an increased level of anxiety, frustration. Sometimes you just get down in the dumps, depressed, because you have this fear of making a mistake. And that mistake will reveal to other people that, oh, I told you she wasn't that good or smart enough for the job. In fact, there's a flip side to this. You may even accept opportunities. You may even say yes, but then you back out on your responsibilities. You put off on the assignment. You fail to show up or drop the ball on completing that assignment out of fear that you won't be able to complete it perfectly or flawlessly, thus self-sabotaging your way back to playing it safe. And I have struggled many times with having this imposter syndrome. But let me be clear. I don't call it syndrome. I'm just calling it syndrome because that's what y'all probably familiar with. The word syndrome for me seems too permanent and it never sat right in my spirit. Syndrome is often associated with a particular disease or disorder. And when you start to acknowledge something as a syndrome, you start to build an identity and self-worth around having these limitations and certain barriers to succeeding at things. You may make a decision that works against what you really want based on that perceived syndrome, those limitations or barriers. And so for me, it's an imposter experience, not an imposter syndrome. Words have power. You have to watch how you speak to yourself. Now, I was pleasantly surprised, though, that one of the women who coined imposter syndrome in the 1970s, her name is Pauline Rose Clance. She said that if she could do it all over again, she would call imposter syndrome imposter experience because now she knows that it's not a syndrome or a complex mental illness. It's something almost everyone experiences. Years ago, I learned Even highly successful people like Viola Davis and Maya Angelou have talked about their struggles with imposter syndrome. So Maya Angelou once said, I have written 11 books, but each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find me out now. I've run a game on somebody and they're going to find me out. During an interview with Vanity Fair, Viola Davis said, When I started out, I did compare myself to others. Was I good enough? Was I pretty enough for that role? But it's the imposter syndrome that is injected in any artist out there. And that sat so deeply in my soul because for me, I believe we all are artists in a sense. We are all trying to create more of what we want to see and feel in this lifetime. So at the end of the day, An imposter experience is natural. It's not a syndrome. You're having a temporary state of being or you're just having a moment. And we know moments are a brief period of time, although sometimes they last a little bit longer than we'd like them to stick around. But that moment doesn't mean you need to be fixed. When you're having an imposter experience, it's your brain's reaction to uncertainty and growth. That moment is an indicator that you can interpret things differently. It's just an indicator. You know, last year when I received an email notifying me that I was chosen to receive a Woman of Resilience Award, I had an imposter experience. I looked at the names, (laughs) 
in the email. I was being honored along with Dr. Uche Blackstock. She's a Harvard-educated rock star physician. (laughs) And she speaks a lot on bias and racism in the healthcare industry. And I was also being honored with Alicia Menendez. So she's the author of The Likeability Trap, How to Break Free and Succeed as You Are. And she's a TV host on MSNBC. And then there's me, Candia Johnson from Brooklyn. I went to Delaware State University and Old Dominion University. I am the owner of Cancer Conversations Global training and coaching company. And I was like, um, Menda Hearts, girl, you got the right person. I was questioning whether I belong. I even said to myself, surely their advice is going to be more useful than mine. Harvard educated doctor you know, host on MSNBC. And then there's Candia, host of Cancer Conversations podcast. (laughs) Shout out to Lauren and Minda Hearts. (laughs) Minda is the best-selling author behind Right Within and The Memo. Okay, y'all make sure y'all add those books to your reading list this year. But anywho, shout out to Lauren and Minda Hearts for choosing me for that award. And I must say, of course, I talked myself into receiving it, but I know for me, a struggle that I often have is that my words and advice sometimes come so easily to me. And it's hard when people take me seriously sometimes because I'm like, you don't think that way? And it was even hard at a time for me to put a price tag on what I do as a solution to someone else's problems because it at times comes so easily for me to teach people how to communicate more confidently or how to shift perspective and see things differently. So what I want you to take from me is sometimes what's obviously simple for you is hard for others. It doesn't mean that you don't deserve recognition or you don't even need to be paid for it. And real talk, my work style is I prefer to work behind the scenes. So sometimes anything that involves too much of a spotlight or too many people, my little introverted heart says, um, I don't know about this, Candia. I get a little bit uncomfortable, a little uneasy up in the chest. <laughs> Plus, at that time that I was receiving the award, my mom was in the hospital. So I felt like my life was in shambles and I was juggling crazy work responsibilities and home responsibilities. And I felt like I was all over the place. And I'm like, the timing just isn't right. I'm like, resilient? What? <laughs> what I remind myself of is you are not the sum of your circumstances. You are the sum of your choices. You get to choose what to do in this instance. You get to choose how you want to feel in this instance. What I know now is you always have the power to choose and interpret things differently. I now consider it my GPS. It's an indicator that I must be about to do something amazing. It's an indicator for me to lean into that awkward and uncomfortable, anxious feeling to explore other things that I should consider. And sometimes it's an indicator that, listen, you've been playing it safe. It's time for you to just put your little pinky toe (laughs) into these uncharted waters. Because the thing is, you have to realize when it comes to having an imposter experience, you don't have that experience when you're doing nothing or when you're being regular smegular, as I like to say. 
that moment is often a signal that you are about to step into that next best version of yourself, that you are about to try something new, or you're even going to do something for the second time, like Maya Angelou or Viola Davis. That experience is part of the process. It's like wintertime when they tell you you need to warm up your car before you drive it. Imposter experience is the warm up. It's the warm up before you're about to take off. And let me be clear. The results of doing that new thing doesn't matter. Anytime you put your best foot forward, that's growth and success. It's not about your results. It's about your effort. So while yes, there are some specific or practical things you can do to work through imposter syndrome, it really comes down to interpretation. It's about hacking your brain to think differently about what it is and what else it might be telling you to consider. Someone once told me your brain will believe everything you tell it. You have the power to choose to interpret those feelings differently. The feeling isn't there to tell you to stop or to fix something. In fact, at that moment, what you tell yourself about yourself matters more than anything you do or encounter. The story you tell yourself matters more than the action itself. So I would say at the end of the day, make friends with imposter syndrome by learning how to have a better conversation with yourself. If you say to yourself, who am I to manage these people or show them how to improve? Why would someone listen to me or I'm only 25 or 35 or I don't have a degree? The thing is, you don't need to be an expert, but you can help people excel based on your experience. Speak from your level of experience. You don't need to be an expert. All you have to do is be two steps ahead of someone to teach what you know. I heard this guy, Ali, say, you don't need to be a guru, but you can be a guide. And at the end of the day, it's okay to say, I don't know. This is out of my zone of genius. When I got comfortable saying that, I freed myself from being an imposter. Because I simply speak from my level of experience. I changed my mind and dropped the whole perfectionism uh, zone (laughs) that I typically try to stay within. That moment is about reassuring yourself that you're supposed to be uncomfortable. You see, we have to start recognizing our emotions as indicators, not final decisions or directions in our lives. You have to learn how to honor your innate ability to pause and say to yourself, what else might this emotion be telling me? Develop a habit of becoming an observer of your thoughts. And that's why I really encourage people to journal. If you can't do it every day, which I don't, I try to do it at least once a week. Sometimes I do it, you know, life happens every two weeks or so. But you have to get in the habit of journaling to capture the pattern of your thoughts. When you can capture a pattern of your uh, when you capture a pattern of your thoughts, your goal is not to accept those thoughts as facts. Your goal is to recognize the pattern and challenge and change that story. Making friends with imposter syndrome, again, is all about having a conversation with the imposter, a.k.a. you. Yes and is another communication approach that I often use to have a better conversation with myself (laughs) as well as someone else. Because when you say yes and when you're having a conversation with someone else, you are not dismissing what they may have said to you, you're actually adding that on to what you have to say. 
And so at times this can help a person feel heard and validated. And it could also be used to affirm yourself. And it starts with acknowledging your emotions and ends with a statement that pushes you into action despite how you're feeling. So I may say, look, Candia girl, yes, you're feeling like a fraud. And I also know you're qualified, so you won't show up anyway. Yes, Candia, you can be uncertain and fearful and still move forward. Yes, I feel anxious and uncertain about what I'm doing. And I'm still taking the next best thing to make something happen for myself. So when you think about what it takes to overcome or to tackle the imposter experience, the first thing is to shift your perspective and interpret things differently. What I know now is feeling uncertain doesn't make me an imposter. It makes me human. What I know now is imposter experience doesn't equal incompetence. It has nothing to do with your talent or level of expertise. Now, I want to offer you another perspective on imposter experience, because on the one hand, while the traditional definition of imposter syndrome leads you to believe that you need to be fixed, like I said earlier, sometimes your environment is the problem. There are two articles that helped me broaden my perspectives about imposter syndrome and how to work. The first article is why imposter syndrome is worse for women of color, how invisibility often comes into play. The article was written by Dr. Lincoln Hill. And then the second article was on the Harvard Business Review site. It stopped telling women they have imposter syndrome by Rashika Toshine and Jody Ann Bury. I'll link the articles in the show notes, but anywho, so imposter syndrome was coined in the 1970s by two clinical psychologists, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, and they studied a sample size of about 150 high achieving women. And these women were majority white, educated, middle to upper class, high achieving women. And the study reported that people who claim they struggle with imposter syndrome are often well accomplished. They have numerous academic degrees, two master's degrees and PhDs. The study also said that one of the reasons why people face imposter syndrome, this intense pressure, often this is because of their childhood experiences. Okay. And the study offered several techniques for women to overcome imposter syndrome, such as eliminating approval-getting behaviors, role-playing scenarios, keeping a record of positive feedback that you've received in your career or about your level of competence. And here's the thing. I agree with all those things. I often encourage people to keep a brag book and all the things to remind yourself of the times when you have achieve something that you thought you couldn't achieve or the time when someone gave you positive feedback. All of these techniques are valid. However, the study fails to account for the role that your workplace plays in intensifying these feelings of self-doubt and a lack of belongingness. It also failed to include the experience of being a black woman or a person of color. I mean, at the time, was there not any highly educated black women (laughs) or women of color available. I'm being sarcastic, y'all, okay? But anywho, the Harvard Business Review article that I mentioned, they posed a very important statement. 
The statement said, what's less explored is why imposter syndrome exists in the first place and what role workplace systems play in fostering and exasperating it in women. The article or the authors continue to say, when the concept of imposter syndrome was developed, many groups were excluded from the study, namely women of color and people of various income levels, genders, and professional backgrounds. Even as we know it today, imposter syndrome puts the blame on individuals without accounting for the historical and cultural context that are foundational to how it manifests in both women of color and white women. Imposter syndrome directs our view towards fixing women at work instead of fixing the places where women work. So ultimately, let's start exploring workplace-induced trauma in the form of imposter syndrome. Because the reality is you are more likely to experience imposter syndrome if you don't see many examples of people who look like you or share your experiences. When you think about it, even who or what is deemed professional in a lot of workplaces can contribute to feelings of being an imposter. What is considered professional hair or how you express yourselves? That's often rooted in bias. Let's talk about the Crown Act. The law signed in 2019 that prohibits race-based hair discrimination, the denial of employment and educational opportunities because of the way someone wears their hair, such as in braids, locks, or twists. I have twists in right now, y'all. <laughs> Silky dreads. They cute too. Anywho, why is this law even a thing? So when you are from a marginalized community, a group that is constantly excluded from mainstream social and or cultural or professional ways of life and you're constantly bombarded with standards of what's professional and who's professional you are constantly trying to hold yourself up to those standards and hide or eliminate some of the things that comes naturally to you of course when you start working in that environment the mainstream environment it's going to amplify feelings that you don't belong or you're not good enough. Of course, those feelings of self-doubt or not belonging will persist. The problem with that initial study and so many articles that were published after that study, and it was based on the results of that study, the problem is it constantly recommends that women experiment with changing their behaviors without addressing the system or environment that she works in. And men experience imposter syndrome too. <laughs> That's another thing. Now, it may not be as prevalent, but they do experience imposter syndrome. On top of everything else, while successful or independent women are often viewed as too aggressive, successful black women are often viewed as angry black women or as hostile or disruptive <laughs> within the workplace or within society. And black women are encouraged to be strong. Anywho, you have to ask yourself, does my workplace or virtual environment, because I do understand many of us are working in virtual environment environments, you have to ask yourself, does my environment make me feel psychologically safe? Feeling psychologically safe is the belief that you won't be punished or humiliated for speaking up with your 
questions or concerns or maybe admitting a mistake or sharing an alternative viewpoint or wearing your hair a certain way. You won't be punished for that. (laughs) Sometimes you don't feel safe contributing feedback because maybe you were told you need to tone it down. Maybe you're too aggressive. How many times have you you, uh, noticed a man being reprimanded about him being too aggressive? So ultimately, what I know now is sometimes your environment triggers feelings of being an imposter. And the only thing that needs to be fixed is the name of the place you work at every day or the types of people you surround yourself with. Yes, reminding yourself of your accomplishments and what you've achieved is one small step towards tackling an imposter experience. At the same time, you have to look at your environment. Your environment can affect everything from your mood, focus, and energy to your decision-making and the strengths of your relationships, both personal and professional. If there is underrepresentation in your environment, whether it's due to you being the only woman or the only black woman or the one or one of few black women or one of few women in the workplace, it may cause you to feel like an imposter despite your experiences, your achievements or advanced degrees. Change your environment, change your life. The solution isn't fixing you. It's about finding an environment that's worthy of your brilliance. It's about finding an environment or a community that can nurture, acknowledge, and support your beauty from the inside out. And I don't care how many times you have to call it quits, just as long as you don't quit on yourself, find the environment that works for you. And no, I'm not suggesting you just up and quit your job. What I am suggesting is you do the work to find a community or group of people, a success squad who can nurture and support you. We all need that. At the same time, I'm going to encourage you to feel all the feels, learning to tolerate the awkward or uh, uncomfortable feelings is just a warm up for entering into your next level. The trick is not to focus on waiting for your feelings of inadequacy to subside. As long as you have the desire to put yourself out there and share your gifts with the world, You have to recognize the imposter experience as part of your process. I have to share this word once again that I received during my visualization and meditation experience this morning. You are not a sum of your circumstances. You are the sum of your choices. Make the choice today to choose your thoughts, the environment and people you surround yourself with. Make that choice to choose wisely. And listen, if this episode blessed your hearts in any way, share it with your people so they can share it with their people. And leave me a review on Apple iTunes. I appreciate y'all so much. I'll talk to y'all next week.